0: The hero's journey, when you hear that phrase, a few things might come to mind. You might consider thinking about one of your favorite stories from when you were a kid or perhaps as an adult, or you were taken off on an amazing adventure with your favorite protagonist or character who had to go off into an unknown land to battle an unbeatable enemy to eventually come back home as a changed and transformed individual. The hero's journey is a phrase that was coined during the mid 20th century by a professor named Joseph Campbell. And in this episode, I'm going to unpack a bit and go over all the different phases and stages therein that make up the hero's journey. This is Josh J.C. Alfelto for the Writer's Lens, and this is gonna be episode 35, which is, what is the hero's journey? Right, but before I begin any of that, I did want to at least throw out this because if you're someone who's been listening to this podcast, The Writer's Lens, and if you enjoy it, you think it's cool, then I would like to encourage you to go over to patron.podbean.com slash and over there is where I have my crowdfunding site where I'm trying to upgrade a bit and make this the darn best creative Slash writer podcast that there is on the internet. So if you'd like to give a monetary donation to, uh, to help me keep going, I would be incredibly appreciative of that. And so on that note, I'm just going to head on over to do this episode on The Hero's Journey. So I uh, hope you enjoy it. All right. So The Hero's Journey. This one has been brewing for a while because it really is the crux of so many epic tales that made me as a writer and an author just fall in love with wanting to write stories when I was a kid. Uh, You may have heard of The Hero's Journey before. If you're someone who never has, it's okay. Uh, The original coined phrase, The Hero's Journey, was something that was uh, done, I believe, in 1949. It was authored by a man by the name of Joseph Campbell, who was a professor of literature, and he was basically doing research into the significance of storytelling and how there are similar formulas uh, that, er- that emerge within stories uh, that we can kind of grasp onto and say, okay, I'm familiar with this, I know this theme, and I'm interested to see where it's going. So this isn't to say that we can dumb down the writing process, this is not to say that there's an absolute formula for writing a great hero tale or heroine tale or anything like that. But Campbell did make some really interesting observations about how we look at sort of the epic tales of our of our life or the epic tales of our generation that really speak to our souls. So I'm going to look at his whole process of the the hero's journey and, like I said, kind of uh, pick apart a little bit of what is is in it as I overlay this uh, this uh, episode on the hero's journey. So. For to do that, I actually am going to be, I don't want to say stealing is the right word. That's not a good word to be using, but I am going to be pilfering a bit and borrowing from a website that I found that actually has a pretty good outline of what the hero's journey entails, and it's not Wikipedia. I know that's probably a bit of a shock to people, but it's movieoutline.com. So uh, this is my plug for movieoutline.com. I don't know what else they have on there. But there's a there's a good article in there by a gentleman by the name of Dan Bronzite, and he basically takes you through the monomyth, which is the term that was used by Campbell to describe how so many different ancient stories, great tales, religious tales, tend to follow a similar pattern. And that similar pattern is what emerged in Campbell's book, The Hero with a Thousand Faces, which is uh, essentially the hero's journey. So... I'm not gonna like go over his entire book I'm not gonna be picking apart Campbell's book but I'm pretty familiar at this point with the formula that that Campbell came up with his structure and his analysis of ancient myths and how he, he believes in some sense they all kind of bleed into one basic formula which I I don't agree with entirely and uh, I would have to uh, pardon my thinking with him on some of those uh, some of those things but there but there definitely is some Universal, uh, themes that pop up, and that's why I wanted to, to talk about his work specifically, because there are modern-day, I want to say, Joseph Campbells who have made similar links to storytelling and the power of storytelling and how we can, again, follow a, a, a specific narrative that gets us to uh, where we're going. So anyway, all right, I've rambled on enough. Let's get on to this thing. So if you even did a quick Google search of Hero's Journey, you'll get a lot of different graphic... Uh, images that uh, I don't want to make it sound bad they're not graphic in that nature (laughs) but you'll get a ton of images that show what the hero's journey essentially is and it's this big cyclical process of you start with your hero or heroine and there's a call to action and before the call to action actually even takes place Uh, The character is living in a a pretty comfortable life, or I wouldn't say comfortable life, they're just living life with routine. Uh, There's habitual things that they're doing, they're they're not really engaging with the outside world necessarily. Everything that's known to them is around them, and that's what they call the ordinary world. Now what happens is, is there's an eventual call to adventure, and that's the second stage of this hero's journey. And that's where our main character is literally pulled out of the ordinary and into the unordinary, or you could say the supernatural or the extraordinary. So um, probably a a good example of this would be The Hobbit with Bilbo Baggins. If you've ever read The Hobbit or seen the movies, uh, Bilbo lives in the Shire. It's an extremely peaceful, quiet place. Nothing really happens that's exciting. And all of a sudden, he gets cast off into this crazy adventure in a struggle between good and evil. So it's really this, this strange circumstance that pulls Bilbo out into this uh, incredible new experience that he's, he's never had before, and it's something out of the ordinary, and so that's part of his call to adventure. Now, the third part of this, uh, as I'm just kind of going along this article, is the refusal of the call, and the refusal of the call is, is something that can happen where the hero can either choose or accept his fate. So he's either going to go along with this call to adventure, whatever it may be. Does he have to go save the princess? Does he have to go find the magic potion? Does he have to go rescue the, uh, you know, a friend, a brother, a sister, Aunt Mary, you know, whatever it may be? Uh, he has the opportunity to say no. He has the ability to say, I'm not going to do this. And sometimes there is that, that temptation that, em- that emerges inside of a story where they can literally say, look, this is too perilous for me. I don't want to do it. Like I right, I don't, I don't want to be part of this. In keeping with the the Tolkien theme of the this episode, Lord of the Rings, Frodo Baggins. Okay, he doesn't want the ring. Okay, he doesn't want the ring of power. All right, he doesn't want anything to do with it. But uh, Gandalf, the wizard, tells him to keep it. Uh, I think I believe it is from the film. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. Uh, so there is this there is this moment where the hero can say, "Look, I, I don't really have what it takes. I don't want to do this." And that's the refusal to call of the call. Now. Just as I was referencing, Gandalf, the fourth element of this is when you meet your mentor. And that's what every great hero's journey has, is a mentor figure. Uh, Think Star Wars, Luke Skywalker, and Obi-Wan Kenobi. All right? Uh, You know, in keeping with those ideas, um, uh, the Odyssey with Odysseus, traveling across the ocean, uh, being guided by Athena. If I could just plug my own book, *The Road to Mars*. Uh, there's my character Darian, who meets the shepherd. Okay, it's a it's an individual who comes along that will stand side by side with the hero or the main character and says, "Look, I've been here before. I've actually gone through a lot of the things that you're you're possibly going to go through. Or if even if I haven't experienced the types of things that you're about to go through, I'm at least willing to coach you through it." to give you the best chance for success, and I'm going to give you something that you need, perhaps in return, which could be wisdom. You know, for instance, if getting back to the Lord of the Rings idea, Gandalf is very wise. He's an aged wizard, so he gives information that is pertinent to the survival of the party and, of course, for for Frodo Baggins. Now, when this happens and the mentor has done what he's done, there's this, this fifth element called crossing the threshold, and how you can begin to interpret this a bit, a bit is now you you've had the call to adventure you've you've taken up the call you've you have your mentor in place who's going to help you get through all the dilemmas now crossing the threshold is basically going from what's known to unknown and Campbell talked about this quite a bit how we have a known existence we have a known place where we feel comfortable and we we know what to expect crossing the threshold is literally going into the unknown so imagine. You're perhaps going on a camping trip, and a lot of the, the space around you is unknown territory. It's unknown forest, but in some sense, you know what to expect there. There's certain animals that might live in your backyard, or let's say you're camping close by. But if you were to go to another country, and you were to go camping there, and you were to take a boat up the river and suddenly make camp somewhere, you would have to really feel confident that you knew what type of wildlife <laughs> would be out there because there's an unknown aspect to it. There's a really sort of, I don't even say it's chaotic because it could be chaotic in your mind, but it's basically the, the lack of knowledge of where you're headed that can make you feel like, I wanna go back. And that's literally what crossing the threshold can mean is that for the first time in your life, you're gonna do something that's out of the box. And that's scary as all get out, but that's again, part of all part of what the hero has to do. The hero has to cross the threshold. You might see this happen quite a bit in other uh, stories. You know, getting back to the the theme of Odysseus and the Odyssey, um, I think of the movie Troy with Brad Pitt and Eric Bana and Orlando Bloom when they're crossing the ocean and uh, the the Greeks are coming to attack Troy and they have to cross the you know the sea to get to the to the uh, the walls of Troy. Okay, that would be crossing the threshold. You're actually going to meet the problem at hand is you're going across oceans. I mean, Pirates of the Caribbean is another great example of this. Jack Sparrow, again, Orlando Bloom. I don't know why I'm using Orlando Bloom so much, but uh, I get Lord of the Rings as well. Man, I, this, this guy's in a lot of epic movies so uh, but but consider it that in in that film, for instance, in, uh, in Pirates of the Caribbean, They're having to cross the ocean to get somewhere. They have to go to the Isle of Tortuga, right? Uh, So there's a real physical nature of moving from one space to another. But there's also a psychological element, element to this, which says, I have to accept the fact that I'm going to go from things that I know into spaces that I don't know. And I have to be okay with that. So getting back to part number four about having a mentor, that's huge. Okay, having a mentor is a big deal because without the mentor, you're basically going to be on your own. You're not, you're, you, you don't know what you're going to be doing. Uh, so I find this, at least in even real life applications, to be imperative to things that we're doing. I mean, for me as an author, the social media marketing, the podcasting, the editing process, these are things that ultimately I, I have to do on my own. But I need to also look for people who are experienced in it. Someone who's done something like it before and could probably give me a little bit of advice on what I ought to do in order to get to the next step of whatever it is that I'm doing. So this crossing the threshold and having a mentor, it's so applicable to real life because of the mere fact that if we don't have someone guiding us and we only have ourselves to rely upon, it not only becomes frightening, it really leaves the door open to fail big time. And I don't mean fail in the sense that you learn from your mistakes. You could fail and lose a lot more than just your dignity, uh, at least in the context of these types of stories. So so moving on, uh, we're, we're halfway there, so stay with me on this, guys. I promise maybe another Orlando Bloom reference will come up, for good or for bad. Now, number six entails facing an ultimate test or... Uh, aligning yourself with your allies, and figuring out who your real enemies are. Because as we're going through this hero's journey, we're going to find more people that are aligned with what we're trying to accomplish. Or maybe they were people that we accumulated over time throughout the journey. Again, I would I would use Lord of the Rings as a great example of this, is as we're we're off on this adventure, we're going places, we then come into contact with other people that might be trying to go up against the same problem that we are. Uh, again, I had referenced uh, a few other stories like this. I mean, think of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, incredibly popular series during the 90s and the 80s. Uh, the four turtles end up making friends with Casey Jones. He becomes one of their allies throughout the story. So a good example there. And in doing so, when you're making allies, you're also finding out who your real enemies are. And this puts you through a lot of unique tests. It basically tests you as the hero... If you have what it takes to keep going, can you discern who your real allies are? And can you adequately face up against your enemies and help your allies to defeat your enemies? So this is another kind of, inner I don't want to say intermediate, but it is kind of the intermediate part of the journey where the hero is still figuring out if he's got what it takes. And he's aligning himself with others around him so that he can face those that he's coming up against. So number seven. Now, as I was just talking about having allies on your side, there's always the moment where the hero has to go off on his own. He has to take the lamp down the dark path, and that's what number seven is, which is approach to the inmost cave. Now, this could be a bit of a reference to the old lizard brain, where uh, we were afraid to walk into caves, and there could be bears, snakes, or tigers waiting down there for us, uh, these unknown things. It has a ton of psychological significance and i think spiritual significance in the idea that when we go down a path that's dark and it's narrow and we know there's no way out but except to go through it fear grips us like nothing else so to approach the inmost cave means that we've gotten a lot of gusto behind us we know there's people that are with us but really ultimately we have to do this on our own okay we we can't rely on everybody else now to get us through to the next Stage of our journey, we actually have to do it by ourselves. You know, uh, being a an author uh, like myself, uh, you're still an entrepreneur. You know, I still consider myself to be an entrepreneur of ser- of sorts because I I do this podcast, I, I do writing, I do editing, things like that. So a lot of the times, I'm doing things that I wouldn't normally do, and I kind of uh, mentioned that earlier in the podcast, but. The fact that I, I do so many things eventually on my own, I have to figure out if I have what it takes. So I do have to go down that path by myself in the same way my wife has to go down a path by herself to determine if she has what it takes. Anybody in life has to do this. And if we sit outside the cave and we don't actually go into it, we never really know if we can stand up to the things that are going to help us grow as individuals and give us that sense of uh, adventure and experience that, that our hearts really do long to have. So... So this is the, this is the uh, seventh element of the hero's journey. number eight would be the ordeal or rather the supreme ordeal. So we're walking down the cave we're, we're there by ourselves. This is the moment where we are facing up against our our ultimate enemy. The Supreme ordeal really entails the idea that death is imminent that we're going up against this this villain of our story. Uh, you know thinking again about Harry Potter and uh, Lord Voldemort. Okay, when Harry Potter in the seventh book realizes that he has to face Voldemort in order to end this thing, he heads straight down the path, he's down the cave, and now he's facing his ultimate nemesis. I mean, this is the moment of truth for him. Uh, I think of The Matrix and Neo and Agent Smith, how the, the inevitable battle between Neo and Smith has to take place. Like, Neo realizes that he has to go face Smith. He, this is his supreme ordeal. He has to face the enemy of his, uh, of his story. And we all have to do that in some sense. You know, my enemy of my story is, I think, distraction. I think that being a writer and being a creative, it's very easy to get distracted, especially in in today's modern world. I mean, we have so many things that can distract us from our uh, from our goals or or knock us off track. And uh, even though it may not be the same as slaying a dragon or or facing down the dark lord, I still think it has the psychological significance of. You, you have to learn how to fight back. You have to learn how to overcome these tests uh, in order to get to the next stage of, of whatever it is that you are doing. So so that's your ordeal. And the ninth step of the hero's journey is your reward. So it's seizing the sword in a sense. So you've you conquer your enemy. Again, this could be your ultimate foe. Whatever it is you're trying to do for me would be uh, finishing a book. Finishing my next book would would probably be my my great ordeal or my ultimate foe is to to kind of beat myself, <laughs> in a sense. But once you've seized the sword, you've you've beaten this opponent that you that you're up against. You seize the moment, all right. You seize the moment, and you in a sense are transformed by it. You've you've conquered that great fear. You've you're coming out of the cave now, which actually leads into the tenth step, which is the road back. And in every great epic tale, every hero's journey, there is this road that leads you back to the ordinary. So we're still caught in the in the unknown. Okay, we're still in the realm of of an area that we're we're not really sure what to expect still. But at least we've beaten our enemy. We've beaten the villain. We we've beaten the evildoer. Uh, we've you know conquered uh, this this great challenger against us, we're headed back, right? We're headed back. But before we do, which is the 11th step of the hero's journey, there's an opportunity here to be transformed yet again. And it's something that uh, Campbell and rather this this article here on movieoutline.com gives, which I think is great, is this concept of resurrection. And literally what that is, is the opportunity for the hero to do something bigger than just himself, so it's the opportunity to affect more than just his own personal struggle. And you see this in all the really epic stories. So Lord of the Rings I mentioned, Star Wars, Harry Potter. Uh, you know, I probably have mentioned this story before in other podcasts. Again, the Red Rising trilogy that I just read, Hunger Games, the Divergence series that I'll reference every now and again <laughs> because it's a young adult story. These kinds of tales are Opportunities for heroes to do more than resolve their own personal struggle They have the opportunity to affect other people and to help other people on a much grander scale than just themselves So this is where the resurrection moment happens And and Campbell actually talks about how this has deep religious significance Because there's so many different stories in a religious context that lead to this idea of being resurrected So there's a death that happens to your character, you're transformed, you've, you've conquered your enemy And now you're being resurrected as a new self and that's literally and metaphorically what this is talking about, is that we become something new. Our minds are renewed in a sense. Uh, our confidence is renewed. We as a person change. Uh, there's, a, there's a great line at the end of the Lord of the Rings trilogy where Frodo is saying that even when you return home, things are not as they, as they were before. You can't really go back to your old life. Uh, I just got done doing an interview with an army war veteran, uh, Dr. Robert Snyder for his new children's book, Why Did Daddy Have to Leave? And, and he had served in Iraq. And uh, you know he told me how a lot of the people that he met while he was over there, he had not known, uh, that became part of his uh, unit that he was there in Iraq. And now he's, he's best friends with many of them. He's, they're some of his closest friends. Why is that? Why is it that once you're there and you come home, you can't just go back immediately to the comfortable life that you're living? Well, it's for all the reasons I've been talking about in this episode. You create such deep connections with people that going back to the old life is, is literally impossible. You just, you can't do it. So this concept of being born again, uh, which again is a is a bit of a religious term uh, that you would hear in the Christian community. Born again literally meaning you have been renewed. You've been born again into a new person. And that's what happens to the hero at the conclusion of these stories because the last step if you've been staying with me to the end I applaud you this is awesome thanks for sticking with me is returning with the elixir which is kind of like a a tail end of the resurrection part because this is where our hero actually returns home he's perhaps affected every you know he's affected a larger scope of things he's done something for the greater good he's chosen to do something for the greater good and now he returns home with with the special stuff which Could be, again, renewed confidence. Could be a trial that he overcame. And now he can share with everyone what he's learned, the new wisdom that he has. Because now he's gone from the unknown into the known again, but he's not the same person that he was when he left. And that ultimately is what concludes the hero's journey. So, all right. So congratulations for making it here to the end on this a little bit longer than normal episode on the writer's lens. But just to recap on the hero's journey as uh, Laid out by the late Joseph Campbell who wrote the power of myth and the hero of a thousand faces There's the ordinary world, which is uh, the first step. So this is a 12-step process Uh, The ordinary world that the hero resides within then there's the call to adventure followed by the refusal of the call uh, Which is then followed by meeting your mentor crossing the threshold The various tests, allies, and enemies that you face off against, uh, approaching of the inmost cave, the supreme ordeal that you must resolve, uh, the reward, or seizing the sword in that moment, the road back, now having defeated your enemy, and the moment of resurrection and rebirth that can take place in defeating your enemy and perhaps now affecting the greater good, and then ultimately returning with the elixir which is the final reward for the hero having completed all of the tasks that had been set before him when he was first called out of the known world that he was in into the unknown world. So, again, I want to thank MovieOutline.com for this just really good breakdown of the hero's journey as I was trying to find a, a pretty decent summary on how to go about Campbell's monomyth. And as I said before, there's a lot of elements of this that I think are universal and are very good. And I think that Campbell's structure is also really strong as far as laying out what it means to go on one of these journeys as a as a storyteller or as a, as a hero or heroine. But there's also a few things that that Campbell talks about that I, I don't agree with in his uh, books about what it means in terms of uh, the spiritual significance of these kinds of tales. And I'll get into those in future episodes, since uh, I don't want to go too much longer in this one. So I just want to thank you guys uh, for your time. I'm going to be talking a little bit about heroes over the next few episodes, so I hope you enjoy that. And again, one last shout-out that if uh, you guys are willing to support this podcast, I would ask you to like, share, and subscribe, and uh, just kind of help get the word out, because I'm trying to be the best gosh darn creative slash storytelling podcast that's out there and uh and yeah so that's that would be my uh, my end note request of this this episode so as, as my hero's journey goes on and on so anyway guys thanks for listening and i will catch you again soon on the writer's lens